Welcome back to the Metric Stack Podcast. Today's guest is Stefan Hedebrandt, whose itch to solve challenging marketing attribution problems led him to co-found Dream Data. It's a B2B revenue attribution platform, and Stefan serves as its CMO. No surprise then that today's topic is marketing qualified leads or MQL attribution. I'm joined by co-host Alan Villa, Clipfolio co-founder and CEO, and I'm Lauren Thibodeau. Welcome to the show, Stefan. Thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, really looking forward to, to discussing this. It's, it's one of my favorite topics. Super. So Stefan, so welcome to the show. And before we get into the whole attribution side of things, which is always a good discussion, why don't we just set the stage and, and talk about um, MQLs um, so that everybody knows, you know, what is an MQL, how are people using it, and where does it fit? Yeah, and I think you're Alan, you're already, t- already touching upon one of the, one of the problems is that it's. Uh, I think a lot of people is using it differently, and in, in, you know, even to a state where it sort of becomes diluted because you got so focused on just driving that number up that you did, forgot to actually look off what what did what I did actually become of that number that number that we uh, drove up. So like just that saying it out loud, it's a marketing qualified lead. And that means that if you're a marketer, it has your name on it, which means this is something that is hitting over to the sales team. Do you actually want to put your name on this lead or this account that you're sending over to the, the sales team? I think that's point one. You should be proud of sending your MQLs through and not kind of like, you know, you know, know that it's crap that you're sending over, but you just drove up the number because you're bought. I, I, I love that. And I, I picture sort of walking into a party and I have a friend. And I want to introduce this friend to somebody else. Do I, what do I feel about this friend? You know, is this somebody I want to introduce or not? Right. So you're right. I haven't said that before, but that's a really good metaphor. Like if you're proud of your MQLs, then you're doing the right thing. And if you're not, you're not. So yeah, I can get to what I, what I call a marketing qualified lead at, uh, at, at Dream Data, maybe as the start. Um, we count uh, demo calls booked, and then we call count uh, free signups. And now I think there where you actually, uh, where the MQL becomes valuable is not by having one of those two conversions. The value comes from actually knowing your sales pipeline after they reach that stage, which means that in our company, we've defined the next stage as a sales acceptable lead, which means that it fits that kind of ideal customer profile that we're looking for, like broadly speaking, at least. And then we, the next stage upon that is that now the salespeople actually think that there's a deal lurking here within a month or two, which we call a sales qualified lead. And then after that, it's one. So we just have these four stages, so which we count. Is there, is there, a, is there a, a ratio that you typically want to see between MQL and SAL sales accepted lead? Like, should it be Close to 90% of marketing qualified leads turn its sales accepted, or, you know, is there sort of a guideline that you think is applicable to most companies? Because everybody will have a slightly different definition of what an MQL is, but that ratio should be the litmus test of what is actually accepted. Yeah, I think you're hitting uh, like the nail uh, straight on there because first of all, you should know, like the reason why, and I'm really want to go to the defense of DMQL is that if you do know how many pass through each stage, how long does it take in average to get through to these things, it can actually be a resource for producing predictable revenue. And 
for us, uh, roughly speaking, 50% of the girls are uh, sales acceptable. Of those 50%, 20% go through to the sales pipeline. And in the sales pipeline, we win one out of three, roughly speaking. Right. And I think these numbers, any responsible marketer is able to explain. Otherwise, you risk this kind of dilution of what the MQL is because you have no clue whether you're delivering the input that the sales team is going to need. Well, and it's also important to track over time as you have different campaigns, as you refine your personas, you need to track those cohorts through the funnel. So I think understanding what the norms are and the, the ratios are in that funnel allows you to say, okay, this is working or this experiment didn't work. Yeah, exactly. And actually, if you take a step away from that, it also be need, it needs to be tied into, you know, how many leads does the sales team need? How many of those are going to be outbound? How many are going to be inbound? How many are marketing responsible for? Okay, MQL to SQL takes you three months on average. Then you need to like do your reverse engineering. And then you try to, you need to set the sales team up for success through the activities you do in, the, in marketing. It's fantastic, Stefan. And thanks for walking us through kind of those four stages of the funnel. Who should actually track this metric? I mean, what kinds of companies should every company out there? Is it, you know, are there nuances of who should track it and who shouldn't? Really good you ask, Lauren. So my, I, I'm, I've never worked in a to c company. So I'm speaking purely from a, like a B2B uh, history. So I think uh, I, I couldn't, I cannot imagine a B2B company where it's not relevant to think about how to produce uh, predictable revenue, like broadly speaking. You need to understand how you actually, you need it's like that. That's why I like attribution as well, is that you need to fit, it's kind of figuring out a recipe or like a, a math piece. To get to this one, you need to do X, Y, C. And you take a step away from the lock and then you can actually translate it into some activities that looks to be repeatable. And repeatable things are the easiest things to scale. <laughs> and, you know, if you do X, Y, C, then you hopefully you're also going to see a result that you're happy with in the end. So, so Lauren, I would say anybody who's interested in driving a sound business should like constantly be talking about what's the recipe for success here. Do you think uh, some companies are using a different process, but a similar philosophy um, or calling it something else, uh, but have a sound funnel as well? Absolutely. I'm, a, I'm not claiming to be an oracle here. I can just relay our own experience and, and what's working for us. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've some companies, you know, will center around the PQL or if they have a product led, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I think there's inbound, outbound, there's, there are different go-to-markets as well. The thing that is very consistent is that there is a funnel and that there is a process and that there's a timeline between those steps and ratios. You know, so all of those things matter. Now, I think what's interesting about the marketing one is that that is a, that is something that the marketing team, as you said, owns and should be proud of. This is what we're bringing in and handing off. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, and it's also it's popular to say that marketers should be responsible for revenue, but then you, you're basically telling them to do something and then sit and wait for six months to, to see whether uh, there's revenue. So that means what I'm trying to say is that you need an earlier proxy, a faster proxy for what's becoming revenue at an earlier stage. So when you do your experimentations, you know, you, 
you can actually see within, let's say, a week or two weeks or three weeks that what we did had was good or was bad. So it's good you do more of it. <laughs> so why don't we why don't we bring the attribution side into it? So this this podcast is about MQL attribution. Um, is it as simple now in, in my sort of simple mathematical brain? It is as simple as sort of knowing what percentage of those MQLs ultimately produce revenue. Um, and you can sort of work that back and that's kind of the number that the, the marketing team has to drive. So if you say marketing, you're responsible for revenue, you know, they can do well, we got a thousand leads and we know that, you know, in six months, X percentage comes through and that's our attribution number. Is it, is it that simple or is there, are there nuances? Tell, tell us more about that. Yeah, so I think the, it's probably one of the most opinionated marketing topics of all. Um, so my, my backstory for being interested in it, this is kind of like if you in sports terms, I want to win. And in order for me to win, I need to know what's working. Um, at best, you don't have quantifiable hardcore proof that this is working because then you can repeat that. But in other cases, uh, it's more qualitative. And in some cases, it's, you have to actually run on, on gut feeling. So I think it also depends on the marketing activities that you run. For example, me spending time on a, on a podcast like this, uh, which can follow your host, which I love the product and I love the brand. And you guys have a ton of B2B customers. So that intuitively makes sense for me to do. I don't have to think about ROI. Um, Whereas like if I have an ad spend of $100,000 per month and I'm using, for example, that on Google search, it's very predictable how many clicked on that campaign, how many became this and this and this. So I think it's across it. You need to apply what is the channel here? What is my activity? How hardcore does the attribution need to be? But I think fundamentally what attribution means for me as a marketer is that I'm responsible for not wasting my company's money. I, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it goes the world over I'm rejoicing. <laughs> yeah. But it, then, you know, you don't have to like, uh, like, you know, earlier in my career, I would also then be like blindly data driven. And if you are that, you also make that decisions. So I've shot like something like a stupid anecdote was that like actually at Airtain, where we also work with the portfolio a little bit, we, I stopped spending money on uh, ads on Facebook on mobile because people were converting on their computer but you know it turns out that 80 percent of the time spent on facebook is done on mobile and then they open the computer when they are ready to buy and then kind of you know you stop the seeding phase of your advertising and that doesn't hurt the first week or two but then later on it hurts i'm grinning from ear to ear because it is it is such an a, a frequent pitfall um and i mean we've done it uh, countless other companies have done it you've done it right you you look at the data and the data can prove almost anything you want, but you need, but you need to follow the journey all the way through. You can't just stop the journey and say, okay, my conclusion is this, you know, this is not working. Well, no, it's actually is working, but the journey continues. Right. So yeah, it's hard. It's very, very hard. And this is where attribution is difficult. Yeah. And I think that's the best one. Yeah. Use the data as like, to really like. Think about what is my hypothesis here, look in the data, go back to the God feeling, discuss in the team, and then make your conclusions. Don't just blindly look at the numbers. I can, I could go on. I've also like celebrated, uh, you know, 
campaigns as successful, but because Facebook Pixel was firing twice every time instead of once. <laughs> so there's so, so many stupid things you can do if you're only looking at the numbers. What, what great advice uh, in terms of pitfalls to avoid, which is a question, yeah, many people would love to hear the answer to. Let's get into the nitty gritty. How do you actually track this? Like you've got a revenue attribution platform with Dream Data. How do you actually track and measure uh, measure this? Yeah, thank you, Lauren. Um, so the way that we, uh, that yeah, I'll just describe how our product works. We have a script, uh, a first-party tracking script that as soon as you accept the statistical cookies, we start tracking uh, the users. Initially, they are anonymous because we have not been given consent to do anything. We just like have a log of an anonymous user. And typically what we see is for us to produce a demo call on our side, it takes four visits or four sessions. And what we'd see is that typically the marketing activity or the paid activity is the first one. Then secondly, then the user would arrive again, maybe from Google search and then do one or two direct visits to the website. This and like if you look at the CRM and you have a conversion that then this would say that this was a direct conversion. But the journey was actually started by a paid activity. Now all of this remains anonymous until we get the consent from the user to glue the PII data together with the anonymous data. And we do that upon form submissions. So that is your free sign ups, your demo calls, newsletters, etc. And now that we know who the user is, we link the user to an account. So his or her touches go into the timeline of the account. And then we can see, uh, is this account progressing down through the sales pipeline? Ideally, all the way through to, to one. So now you have a full journey on the egg. And then the yeah, important thing is that we run, uh, the way we think about it, this account-based attribution. So three people can be grouped into one timeline. Whereas other people think about attribution as like a lead attribution or an individual's attribution. But the problem in B2B is that, you know, they typically buy as teams mm -hmm. and not as just individuals. So we, we say that there's such a thing, uh, and you have to, you know, believe with us <laughs> that there's such a thing as an account based journey. And then, so then we have all the touches on one timeline and then we can take the revenue component. Even though it was a different person who signed the contract than the one who started the journey. So that's how we think about the first part of it is like tracking data and then the, re this, the revenue component comes from the, the CRM system. Stefan, I think this is, this is really fascinating because it solves, it really does solve a lot of problems. So um, we, for example, we will have somebody sign up um, and we will identify that person with a certain persona, you know, once they sort of get into our system, we know who they are, where they're from, what their role is, et cetera. But again, like, where did they come from? Was this the first person that visited the website or was it the intern that was assigned to check out Clipfolio um, that actually doesn't even work at the company anymore? Um, so I think this account-based uh, approach is, especially for B2B, is incredibly valuable. And if you can then go one step higher and figure out what were all the inputs to actually have that account become interested, that's incredibly valuable. And I think this is where people really, really struggle to understand where their dollars are actually making, making an impact. Yeah. What was the spark that led you, the itch you scratched, the, the real pain point that led you to start Dream Data? We actually, we have two founder stories because I met my two co-founders that 
I can start with them. They had the challenge uh, where they were leading product and technology at Trustpilot, which is a big brick. Oh, yeah. They Trustpilot generated in the range of like 5,000 new free accounts per month or something like that. But they would be applauding the salespeople when they sold something and they would set the value of the free accounts at zero. They were, my co-founders were like, yeah, it cannot be zero value that 5,000 accounts are created every month. So they started like looking at, okay, from the account is created, what are all the touches we can record here until it says closed one? And then as you go, you say, okay, does it mean something that they enter through this channel or this channel or this channel? And will that predict churn, upsell, et cetera? My own pain was at the, the old company where I was at, where we were selling hardware devices that worked together with Clipfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were like spending in the range of almost $100,000 every month on ads when I was there. And the first $10,000 you put in, you have a pretty good like I, like understanding of how the, the dynamics. The last $10,000 you put in, you're like, I don't really want to, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> to be, if I have to be honest, whether it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And my opinion about marketing is that it's something you do to produce a pipeline and revenue. So for me, that kind of was just, I need to know more. I need to know more, but there was no kind of solution out there. Um, I was looking at the ad spend in the same month as I made the ad spend, even though I wouldn't, I would know that the journey would be six or 12 months or something like that, but it was all I could do. So everything that you've learned so far at, uh, this new company that is solving this massively complex problem, what kind of advice can you give marketers? Um, as to how many touches, and again, let's let's keep it into a B2B context, but how many touches is organic, uh, valuable is direct, valuable is, is, is display advertising valuable? Are there certain platforms like Facebook or Twitter? You know, like, is there, are there certain guideposts that, that you're learning or trends that you're seeing? I'm really glad you asked, Alan, actually, because we just released our first uh, benchmarks ever, where yeah. we look across all our customers. Okay, tell tell me more. I'm very interested. I, I let me. I'll anecdote those I can remember. But an average B two B journey takes 192 days from first touch to deal being won. So this is not the sales cycle which your salespeople will tell you from the first conversion to born, mm. but from first touch to one. So this is this is somebody somebody becomes aware of your brand. Somebody from an account comes to your website, yeah. and then you win the account uh, 192 days later. Yeah. Next uh, one is, uh, it's an average of 32 sessions before they buy. Mm-hmm. 32 wow. sessions. That's an awful lot. <laughs> so yeah. that means you need to have meetings, calls, retargeting, webinars. And I think what to, what to take from that is that you need a high activity level, high quality activity level all the time, because it just takes so many touches to progress these B2B deals. Um, yeah, the last two things I want to share is that all B2B deals have, like most have more than two uh, stakeholders. So uh, maybe it might differ a little bit for the Clipfolio use case, but for, for larger accounts, then they always have more stakeholders. And then we did a channel analysis as well inside the benchmark. So I'll just tell people to, to go uh, find those benchmarks and uh, <laughs> they can find them. So, sounds good. So we won't, we won't reveal all the secrets. So, so you, you heard it here. We'll post the link uh, in the podcast in the in the description. Go get that. Uh, go get that benchmark report. I think that's great. That's awesome. So you mentioned an average of thirty-two sessions. What about events? Like, how do you handle that issue where something's totally offline 
or there's a billboard or there's something that's not digital? How do you account for that? I think that's a really good question, Lauren. And we can only do something that has a digital reflection or our technology is uh, deterministic is the, the fine word of it, uh, meaning that we can only use measure stuff that you can measure. So that means you need digital reflections to do attribution with dream data. Yeah. You know, like more, I don't know what, if old school is the right question, uh, right term, but you know, I think you used to do was sales modeling or like uh, marketing mix modeling, where you try to estimate that we ran this TV campaign and then, you know, sales went up afterwards. And then that's a different technique of that. So coming to your, your question, then like for us to give credit to that, we would need somebody who went to like this trade show to go home and register it in the CRM or mm -hmm. at least hand over a CSV file uh, with mm -hmm. this date, this person, this company, this conference. Then we can map those into, into the customer journey. For the broader scope for attribution, this also means you need to apply common sense. So we'll never tell you 100% of the truth. But we're trying to kind of, you know, let you know as much as at least uh, possible. I keep coming back to 192 days. That is, that is absolutely wild. And to me, this is, it's just screaming retargeting, you know, like the very first time somebody hits your website, like capture them and, and ping them, you know, make sure that they make sure that they get coming back. Right. Otherwise, you know, that fir very first touch is lost i agree you like yeah you need to like wire your brain to understand <laughs> the implications of that yeah that's very very interesting so so what are the what are the other um metrics that you typically look at to sort of provide context to mql attribution so if you you know like we often say you know what does it pair well with good question so i i, I typically also look at uh so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking very much kind of uh, pipeline thinking yeah. that like the worst thing I can hear is that I was like, we are hundred percent, uh, well, like 90% inbound driven right now. Mm -hmm. So when the sales people starts complaining that they are not busy enough, then kind of, so what would the metrics would be how many accounts does an average uh, salesperson work on right now? And if that's dropping too low, uh, then I know I need to get myself mm -hmm. together and like produce better marketing to attract these, uh, these people. Um, and then actually, so uh, like sales people are also part of the marketing attribution landscape because they need to tell the marketers mm -hmm. if it's low quality coming in, if it's not enough velocity to coming in. Like, like typically the best way you can improve your return on an ad spend is just go make friends with the sales people because <laughs> if they never pick up the lead, you only have cost. You don't have the revenue component. Yeah. So for me, it's very much the matching of demand versus the sales capacity that that would be my associated metric to it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so obviously, MQLs from a, a a numbers point of view, but there has to be a a downstream quality and volume element to that as well. So is the sales team, do they have enough and are they good enough quality? And and that's how you know that your MQLs are are hitting the mark. Yeah. And then obviously you need to join the math piece as well. Like what do you pay per MQL? Yeah. Uh, is that the right metrics or not? Yeah. So that would be the other supporting metric for it. Yeah. So you said that right now, most of it is inbound, meaning that most of it is organic. No. So we do a, a string of things that works well. Uh, 
paid uh, organic search review platforms, uh, social selling. Okay, so you can you can adjust that mix depending on the target, the quality, the volume, etc. Yeah, we we try to push in all the things that we we think make uh, make sense. Fantastic. So, Stefan, some really great practical advice and sharing even kind of some of your secret sauce. Thank you for that. As we sort of begin to to wrap up this conversation, any last words of advice you would share on MQL attribution? I would say uh, start collecting at the, or the best time to collect data. It was 20 years ago or now. But because when you need it, it's too late because it is a historic discipline. So you need to set into that path of uh, generating digital reflection. So it's available when you need to understand what actually happened. Stefan, thank you so much. Uh, everybody, Stefan Hedebrand, co-founder and CMO of Dream Data on marketing, qualified lead attribution, and I think also making friends with the sales team to increase your marketing ROI. I think that's a great advice. Uh, Stefan, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.